I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome. Glad to have you back again with us this week in this most exciting study under Warren Litzman about the out of law into grace. What a series this is. The response was terrific from part one last week, and now we want to get right into part two. Here's Warren. You see, the ironical thing about grace is that everybody has it. Grace is not something that comes to a little handful of people. Grace is in the big bucket that God pours on every believing sinner and starts them out. They get the whole bucket put on them, including grace, and don't know it. They don't know what they got, so they're going to spend the rest of their life learning what God did to them through that moment they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, accepted Christ as their life. They're going to spend the rest of their life working that out. They're going to go to different churches. They're going to try one preacher after another. They're going to try one law after another. They're going to find somebody that's highly successful and that'll prove something, which it doesn't. They're going to go every direction they think they can go to get help. But you know what? They're missing the one big thing God gave them. He gave them His grace, which triumphs over anything and everything. His grace is sufficient for everything that could happen to you. But you know why they can't see that and don't see that and why the books are not written on that? It's because the law is such a deep root in people. They can't get free of it. I know that. I know that. Through the years, I've had to catch myself in what I think and what I say sometimes because I'm very careful now to not let law raise up its head. Ugly, demonic head. It's dead. The law was dissolved, Paul said, at the cross. Well, we don't know what to do with ourselves. You come and hear the gospel of grace and you think, well, that sounds good, but I've got to be somewhere where I get help. I've got to be somewhere where I get a miracle. And people don't understand if you've got Christ in you, it really don't matter. The test doesn't matter. The trial doesn't matter. Death doesn't matter. That's why Paul could say, it doesn't matter whether I live or die. What was the difference with Paul? The difference was Christ lives in me. Christ, that's my life. That's my, that's my eternal life. Christ lives in me. So grace was given to every person when they were saved. But what is it that drowns out grace? It's that thing that says to us, if you do good things, God will bless you. If you don't do good things, God won't bless you. Now I'm going to tell you again. Your doing has nothing to do with God's grace. I have been surprised many times in my life over what God does. I have prayed for reprobates. I've gone to the hospital when I pastored, and I prayed for outright reprobates, hoping that they'd turn to God. They didn't, but God got them out of that bed because the doctors had given up on them. There was no hope for them, and here they came out. It isn't what God does. 
what it is, it's who he is. And mention of that has been made here tonight. Our heavenly father is what makes the difference in grace. Grace is something he gives. First, he gives it through Jesus Christ on the cross. Next, by the works of the cross, he as a father gives that grace to every person that accepts Jesus Christ. So let me tell you something. Our Heavenly Father is so pleased with what Jesus did on the cross that the minute any sinner simply believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, God dumps the whole thing on them. Is there lives that don't matter? Sure. Are there some people who will never come to the knowledge of it? Sure. Are there preachers who will never come to the knowledge of it? Sure. But God did his part. And so every time you think, if I do something good, God will bless me. He might do that. But that doesn't have anything to do with grace. His grace will be given to you regardless. Because you are the sacrifice of his son in action. You're everything that son did on the cross. You are. You're the emblem. You're the signpost. You're the hope. You're the ambassador. You're the everything Jesus did on that cross. So listen to me. God has not dealt with any of you sparingly. He has not given some of you a blessing and others he didn't give it to. The reason you think that is because you're still in your soulish state. When you got saved in your spirit, Christ was joined to you. You got that? Christ was joined to you. What I haven't seen in these new modern day Christians on the air is anything about Jesus Christ being their life. I've heard them all say, we're just trying to do things like Jesus did it. That's an empty sound. Those are empty words. You can never do things like Jesus did. You can do things as a Jesus person like you are. But that's your extent. That's as far as you'll ever, far as you'll ever get. <laughs> you can't depend on what you do. I tell you what we depend on in the Christ life. You've heard this hundreds of times. But it needs to be stated with this tonight. What is it that people under law have not caught? What is it in the scriptures? You see, it doesn't matter what I say. That I learned a long time ago. It doesn't matter how I say it. It doesn't even matter how I interpret the scriptures, but it does matter what these scriptures say. That's why I encourage you to have a good old King James Bible because then you don't have to unravel it all. If you don't understand it, leave it to the Holy Spirit. But read it like it is because it'll work out right. They've changed our Bible so much now that the translators have become as stupid as the world. <laughs> what is it we know that is important about grace? Two things. Put this in your notes. Ephesians 1 and 4 is the first pillar that holds up grace. Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1, 20, 23, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Why do I keep mentioning those two things? Because those are the only two things this book says 
God had in mind before he created this world. <coughs> Isn't that ironic? Isaiah never said a word about them. Malachi, who talked a lot about money, didn't say anything about them. Abraham didn't say anything about them. Jesus of Nazareth didn't say anything about them. Two little verses of Scripture that have the word before in it, which constitutes two pillars that uphold grace. We were chosen by God to be in Christ, and the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means God had a plan. You can trust it. God had a plan. You say, well, I sure wish that plan included me saving my business. No, it doesn't. That's not what the plan is all about. A woman come to me and said, I wish it was in his plan to save that ungodly man I married. It was in his plan. She not marrying, but it's too late now. You understand? What is the plan? What is the plan of God based on? The only two verses of Scripture in the whole of this Bible tell us what He did before He created man and created the world. Now why is all that important? Because it has to do with grace. If when He finally sets into operation His plan, it's going to be constituted on these two things. Chosen in Christ so that none of us would ever attempt to operate outside of Christ, chosen in Christ, before the foundation of the world. So let me tell you something. I won't have a lot of agreement from my preacher friends over this, but I'm going to tell you, there's no more God will ever do in His plan than He has already done. He can't do anymore. There's not anything he can do that he has not accomplished. He can't kill Jesus again. There's a place in the scripture, Paul said, where they'd like to crucify Jesus again, and that's because they wanted another plan. They want to, they want to put up a plan. They want to translate the scriptures like they see them and then have Christ to die for that. He's not going to do it. There's not going to be another plan. You understand it? There's not going to be something God does. I heard somebody tell me the other day that my preacher has told us about a whole new world that's going to start where we're going to have help, where we're going to have peace, whole new world. He said, yeah. I said, yeah, I've read about that. That's the millennium. Oh, no, it's going to happen any day now, right here in America. And the longer he talked, the more I knew he was in the kingdom. He's in the kingdom message. That's what the kingdom message is all about if you don't know what the kingdom message is in the New Testament. He's not going to do anything else than what he's already said. You know what the next big thing is to happen? It's the rapture of God's children coming home. It's the rapture. He's going to do it without asking anybody. He's not going to uh, do something or say something about when it's going to happen. It's a secret. Something just between him and Jesus, I guess. Jesus can't even come and get us and meet us in the air until the Father says so. Scripture says that. So the plan is already set. 
It's already done. Quit looking for something bigger to happen. Get into Christ. But you can't get into Christ till you get out of law. Grace will not work with law in effect. It won't work. And I'll tell you this. A born-again person will not operate according to their birthright as they stay under the law. Anytime anybody says that you have to do something to make the Scriptures work. Jesus of Nazareth said if you have faith, grain of faith, move mountains and trees. No, sir. That's a kingdom message. In grace, there's nothing you can do but accept it. Believe it. Why? You're a bona fide birth child of God. What do you think a father would demand of one of the children he birthed who keeps trying to make them be something they were not by birthright? What do you think? Be a lousy father and be an impossible task. Couldn't do it. Wouldn't work. Now, there are two kinds of people getting out of the law. There are those that hear the gospel for the first time who are more blessed than anybody else getting out of the law because they don't know what law really means and how much people have depended on law for their identity to be who they are. And there's another group of people that have got one foot in grace but just can't give up on the law. They just can't give up on it. There's so many things we believe that are like that. Somebody said to me the other day, said, I know why I've been sick so much. I said, why is that? You had the flu or something? We've all had something this January and February that we never saw before. <laughs> Couldn't kick it off. Uh, I said, uh, why, why do you say that? Why, why, why do you feel that way? He says, I must have done something wrong. I said, I don't know what it is, but I must have done something wrong. I said, you are a Christian, are you not? Oh, yeah. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to go back to this because anybody says they're a Christian nowadays. I, he said, yes, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ years ago. Well, I said, then nothing that you do or nothing that happens to you is bigger than grace in your life. And what you have done, you have believed the law that it is me that controls what God does. I had somebody also tell me not long ago, say, well, I haven't been blessed because I haven't been getting my tithes and offerings. Well, I had an, <clears throat> an inclination from my law pastor to say, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Because I said, you giving your money to God may be a blessing in the Old Testament, but you don't belong there. You belong in grace because God has rebirthed in you His Son. And I said, there's no more He can do for you than He's already done. Believe it. I said, I'm sure it's a good thing to give your money to God. 
Paul said to collect it and bring it in when you get a chance. But there's no law there. There's no such thing as a law of tithe in the New Testament to God's children. That's like a father who has a bunch of children say, now I got y'all raised and I'm expecting every one of you to go out and make this much money to help me. Don't work like that, does it? You'd like part two. <laughs> but before you ever get a child uh, uh, rich enough to help you, you're gone. <laughs> it just don't work out quite like that. Don't plan on it. <laughs> Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Good scripture. You'll always have an inclination to do something law-wise. You'll always have a feeling, I haven't done enough. I haven't been sincere. I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't given enough. I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Have you noticed in every statement it's an I that's dead to God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, Christ liveth in me. <clears throat> you ought to give your money. You ought to give your time. But you need never look to God to be somebody special by doing it. You should look to God every day that I thank God He has rebirthed me and given me another life and that life is what I live. Now I'm going to tell you what will happen in grace. God will give you everything you need. Why? Grace is sufficient. Sufficient for what? Sufficient for what you, you need. You're an eternal creature. If all you can think about is health, uh, you're missing the point. You need to put your trust in the Father, that He is your Father, that He'll take care of you. The reason you can't think like that is law. Law keeps saying to you, well, I don't have enough faith. I'm just not righteous enough. I got to tell you that both faith and righteousness are acts of Jesus. We have the faith of the Son of God working in us and all righteousness comes by our salvation and nothing else. Now, if you want to be holy, that's up to you. I don't find any holy people that are talking about Christ being their life. They're talking about usually what they have done to look holy and act holy and talk holy. But that's not Christianity. That's not salvation. Believers are often led into South into self effort. Self effort. I got South Africa on my mind. <laughs> Believers are often led into self effort, and the more they go into self effort, the more unaware they are that Christ is in them. They become, I did it. I can do it. I'm able. I have the faith to do it. When I hear somebody say, I have the faith to do it, 
That's one of the strongest law statements you can make. You say, well, ought we not have faith? It isn't your faith. Never will be your faith. Never has been your faith. That's one thing I learned when I was in the healing ministry, that it was not my faith. Because I found those scriptures that said it's the faith of the Son of God in it. It's not easy to get out of law. It's hard to leave law for grace because you've got so many law friends. That's right. You've got so many dear preachers that are in law churches. Most every book that's written has a measure of law in it. And it's hard to leave it. There's not everybody that wants to sit in a meeting like this. There's not everybody that wants to come 1,400 miles to be in this meeting or drive a family of three kiddos all the way from Indianapolis down here. There's not many people who do that. But you see, the difference with us is not something we boast and brag of. God help us if we sound like that. The difference between us is we've had some or a revelation that Jesus lives in us. We've had a revelation that He is our life. The great mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've had a revelation of that. That if that's our hope, then it's our only hope. What in the world can I add to that being a better hope? A bigger hope? A greater hope? I can't add anything to it. And I'm not supposed to. So in this conference, I'm going to be talking about some of the first steps you take. Tonight it was Ephesians 1 and 4 and 1 Peter 2 and 20 and so. I want you to concentrate on these things. I want this to be a weekend that grabs you and gets a hold of you. I don't want to tell you what I think, though I will. But I don't want to tell you what my version of it is. If you follow me closely, you'll find I try never to juggle the scriptures with somebody else's translation. I try to take it like it is in the Word. You say, well, I don't understand that. I can make it better. You can't make it any better. Every scripture we deal with is based on the in Christ position. Everything God does is based on the in Christ position if you're to believe this word. Well, somebody says, that's just what you think about it. I've thought about a lot of things in the scripture. Preached a lot of things. But until Paul became God's answer in my life, I didn't have anything worth talking about out of this book because I'd covered it all, thought I knew it all, and wasn't happy with myself. But I wake every day now to new revelation, new understanding, new blessings. It hasn't been easy to come to that point because law still has a deep root. But my law was killed at the cross. You need to say that. 
Your law died at the cross. Moses' law died at the cross. Abraham's law died at the cross. Say it until it takes hold in you. And then you'll stop fighting, arguing over and fussing about the things you don't like in the scriptures. You've got to get a hold of the foundation. I guess the biggest thing we do in the Christ life is help people to come out of the law into grace. That's probably the best thing we do because we're not trying to get them to quit their churches and quit their preachers. We're trying to put a message in it and they do all that on their own later. <laughs> but our mission is to bring the message. It's clearly written. It's in this blessed book and I don't need Isaiah's help because he didn't know about it. I don't need David's help because out of 150 Psalms he didn't have the slightest idea about it. I don't need Abraham's help. He didn't know about it. So I've got to preach where it is the Bible deals with you and I. And the first thing you'll see about Paul is in the book of Galatians. In Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. In 1 Corinthians 2 and in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. He hits the nail on the head that we're no longer law people. He says it outright. Most of us didn't believe it because we were getting false information and false interpretation of the scriptures. But I'm slowing down now. But that's what we're going to talk about, the first steps of coming out of law into grace in this conference. And may the Lord bless it to you. I want you to go to your hotel or wherever. Get a good night's rest. You'll have a good breakfast at the hotel you're staying in. Be here at 10 o'clock. And I can rattle around some more. <laughs> about getting out of law and the grace. Yes, dear. Hmm? I can't. You know, you're about the blessed group of people I've ever seen. I've been near and far, but I've never seen anything better than you. So just sit there where you are and reach over and take your neighbor by the hand. Take your neighbor by the hand. This has been a blessed night for me because uh, this big chair sitting beside me, nobody will sit in it but Anthony, my grandson. <laughs> and he sits there because he can go to sleep. <laughs> but tonight he didn't go to sleep. So there must be something stimulating. Look over at your neighbor and say it. I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. In your life and all that you do. I see Jesus in you because... I see Jesus in me. I see Jesus in me. In my life and all that I do. I see Jesus in me. 
We're going to stop right here and we'll pick up next week in this wonderful series about Out of Law into Grace. What an amazing series this is. This is very, very important. It's life-changing. It changed mine listening to these wonderful teachings of Warren. Don't forget, you can go to our website, christ-life.org christ-life.org. Read all about us. Read all about the Christ life that we are so excited about. And be sure and visit our bookstore because these wonderful teachings of Warren can be right in your home as well. We'd like to thank Robbie Litzman. We always thank her because she lets us go into the archives each week to bring you these wonderful teachings. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. And Teresa Ferraro produces this podcast each week for the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.